Welcome back to uh, the QAV podcast. This is episode 614. We're recording this earlier than normal, Monday, the 3rd of April, 10.30am in Brisbane, Sunday night in sleazy Las Vegas, where uh, Tony is <laughs> doing uh, very unsleazy things, if I know Tony. Very wholesome, very wholesome things I'm sure you're doing, Tony, over there. How's Vegas? Well, Vegas is very sleazy, I've got to say, and full of people and probably COVID because Ruddy's down with COVID. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> I'm okay. Everyone else seems to be okay, touch wood. Yes. Yeah, uh, you know, there's ladies standing out there in thongs and nothing nothing much else, handing out pamphlets, and uh, it's in city all right. Uh, but I'm playing golf. I don't really like Vegas as a place. Like for me, Vegas is like surface paradise mixed in with Crown Casino and multiplied 20 times. So I don't get off on that. But uh, the golf courses are really good. They're a little bit expensive. We played five days straight on some really good golf courses. And we even had snow one of those days, which was amazing. Snow in Vegas? Yeah. Middle of the desert. Oh, my God. And spring, too. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. We It was cold. We're still on the outskirts of Vegas, but we were up in the hills a little bit. And these really dark clouds rolled in and it snowed. And it cleared up about an hour later and we went back out and kept playing, but it must have been about two degrees, I think. So you were playing on snow? How do you play golf on snow? Orange balls so you can see them? <laughs> you can't. You can't play. No, it's just like playing in a, in a sort of heavy rain, but then um, the greens become unpuddable. They were just like putting through a big puddle of water. Well, listen, we also need to talk about your birthday party. Yeah, that was great fun. That was a crazy night. You had a good time? I had a great time. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised at um, how good the angels were. (laughs) Like, the angels come out. It's basically like an afternoon at the retirement village. Bunch of old, bald, fat white guys come out, but they... Well, and their sons on bass and drums. Uh, but they played their asses off. They were tight. Oh, yeah. The uh, the vocals were great. You told me it wasn't Dave Gleason. It was the original drummer from the Angels doing the vocals this time. Correct. I think, he's, I think his name's Nick Norton. And they're actually thinking of, um, of replacing Dave with him because Dave's going back to the Screaming Jets apparently. Well, I thought Mr. Norton did a tremendous job doing his best, uh, Doc Neeson, and uh, they were just, it was great. It was loud, and we forgot to take earplugs for poor Fox, so his head was crushed uh, about an hour into it. He was being a trooper. We were saying, uh, Chrissy went out and bought him some earplugs from a convenience store, but they didn't do any good and um, wouldn't stay in his ears. And so he spent the first hour with his fingers in his ears. And I kept saying, do you want to go? We can go. And he's like, no, I don't want you to miss out. Oh, you know, it's fine. But it was obvious after about an hour, he was just, uh, his brains were turning to mush. So oh, I think we no. left on like the second last track or something like that. But um, yeah, no, it was a great night. Thank you for inviting us. And uh, congrats. There's some lovely speeches from some of your friends. Some QAV club members were there. I have no idea what that present was that we all chipped in and got you, but uh, did you take it to Vegas with you? I haven't, no. So the present was a remote-controlled golf buggy. But, uh, yeah, a power caddy, they're called. So I can keep playing golf as an old man. Yeah, just to make golf a little bit lazier than it already is as a sport. You have a 
a robot golf buggy that follows you around. Don't, don't try and play golf for five days straight and see how lazy you feel. Just a leisurely walk around a nice field. Every now and again, you hit something, then you walk a little <laughs> bit more. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just do it for four or five hours straight each day. Your actual birthday is uh, not until tomorrow, Australian time, 4th of April, right? That's right. And I haven't been drinking, so I haven't had a drink for five months now. But I, I may have a whiskey Tuesday night our time, which is the fourth over here, and the last day of our trip in Vegas. Yeah, you didn't even have uh, a drink at your birthday party. I was impressed. No, didn't feel like it. Don't need it to have a good time, right? Correct, yeah. And, you know, I'm just really coping with travel and nonstop golf and busy schedules without drinking. I'm not much better. It's, it's uh, got its advantages. Yeah, absolutely. There's 20 guys on this trip, and uh, about half of them are from Mullumbimby. And they're, they're all celebrating their 50th birthday. So, like, they are going hammer and tong nonstop, comparing notes where the cheapest beer is in, on the strip and then just just hitting it like a pack of locusts. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, getting up and playing golf, just turning up and playing golf and falling asleep on the bus on the way home and then doing it all again. Yeah. I don't know how people do it. I, you know, I haven't lived like that since I was, I don't know, 17, 18, going that hard. I, I don't know how people keep it up in their 50s. <laughs> Six months for us. <laughs> Six months? Yeah, since we hit it that hard. Oh, yeah, 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 right. Well, good for you. Um, I, I'm sure there will uh, be many health benefits for you by uh, cutting back a bit for a while. Well, let's uh, move on from your birthday celebrations and uh, talk about some investing because I know you've got dinner plans and you've got to go. Yes, we've got dinner and then we've got to go and see Penn and Teller at a nine o'clock show. Oh, fantastic. I've always wanted to see them. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. And we saw the Beatles Love Again the other night, which was great, the Cirque du Soleil. So we saw that in 2018 when we were over there, right? No. Correct. We were around then. When were we there? 2017. I think we are in Vegas together. Yeah. Good stuff. The show's changed a little bit, but it's still really good. Yeah, terrific. I love a good Cirque show. Of course, Vegas is where Chrissy and I got married, so it has uh, I hate Vegas. She hates Vegas too. It's terrible, but um, we got married there, so it has uh, you know, one redeeming factor in my history. Anyway. Onto investing. Been a surprisingly good week in the markets. You should go away more often, Tony. You go away. Oh, happy to. The market has a good week. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been up. I don't have commodity updates because we actually haven't finished the buy list yet for this week, but I can do a quick portfolio update. The dummy portfolio since inception. For new listeners, that's uh, 2nd of September 2019. Our dummy portfolio is up. 17.56% CAGR per annum over that period versus the benchmark that we use, the STW, the SPDR 200 fund, which is up 6.84% CAGR per annum over the same period. So as as it has been recently, we're not quite three times the benchmark, but pretty close to it. Three sevens are 21. We're about eight, you know, seven and a half, 18. So yeah, we're a little bit under three times the benchmark for the financial year to date. We are up 9.72%, actually no, 12.28% per annum 
I don't know. Nevexa gives me two numbers. There's a chart, little graph says 9.72, but then the summary above says 12.28 versus the STW, which it says is at 13.85 for the financial year. So for a while there, we were lagging the STW for the financial year quite a bit. We've nearly caught up and there's a couple of months left to go. So we'll see where we end up. In the last seven days, we're up 2.93%. STW is up 2.65%. Some stocks have done pretty well in the last week. RSG, Resolute Mining, up 11% in the last week. Uh, what else have we got here? Lindsay up 6.3%. Lindsay's been on a corker run. I wonder if that was because of KNS Cold Transport going under. They may have picked up oh. some share from that. They're both transport logistics companies. Right. But I tell you, what's, it's not in the dummy portfolio, but in one of our light portfolios is something I wanted to talk about is ALO. I think this happened just when you left. Alogio <laughs> Group. Alogio, Alogio, Alogio. I think they pronounce it. So it was announced last week that Alogio is being acquired by a group called Next Capital. And their share price went up 45% in a day (laughs) based on the acquisition price. It's fantastic for those of us that held in the portfolio. It is now up 80% since we bought it back in September 22. So again, as I uh, pointed out on our Facebook page, and we've seen this happen a few times since we've been doing this show together, if we think something is undervalued, Quite possibly, other people think it's undervalued and they come and buy it and we go along for the ride. Correct. That's interesting that Next Capital is involved. Uh, I actually know one of the principals there and play golf with him occasionally. Oh, did you put a little word in his ear? Hey, tell you a good we deal. We haven't colluded on this one. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no, in fact, Patrick Elliott often comes along on some of these trips with us as well. So, yeah, that's interesting. But, yeah, I think you've said it. Exactly right. If we're seeing value in a company, then somebody else is going to see value in a company. I just wish uh, someone would see some more value in mine and take them over and give us an extra boost. But uh, it'll happen at some stage. Yeah. Well, that's it was uh, very exciting. It's not very often you see a share go up nearly 50% in a day. Very exciting for those of us that hold it. Didn't really help the 221 portfolio and light enough to get it back up into the black that's the one we closed just before the market crashed in April last year, but it gave it a nice little bump. Just one other thing I wanted to mention. So last week, no, before last, the week before last, so we had Tim Lincoln on last week. The, the week before that, we had a question about something you said way back in one of our first episodes about ETFs and the size of ETFs on the market, and you reiterated your source for that as Stock Doctor. And the valuations, like you were saying that um, according to Stock Doctor, the biggest ETFs in Australia are up around like SPY 555 billion. Well, that's what Stock Doctor's saying, yeah. I'm not sure if it's million or billion. Well, they're 555,615 million. Right, so half a billion. 555,615 million. It's half a billion. Mm-hmm. Then you put three zero, uh, six zeros on the end of all these numbers. Oh, okay. Sorry. 
I don't know how to read <laughs> My brain's not working. It's Monday morning. Yeah, if you've got it, it says market cap in the millions and then it has 555,615. Yeah, you should add three zeros to it. Three zeros. But that makes it, no, you're right. Six zeros, it's in millions, isn't it? Yeah, no, so it's billion. Yeah, sorry. 555 billion. Whereas according to List Corp's list of the ETFs in Australia, the largest is Vanguard. It's 11.86 billion. Now, um, Chairman Mab of the Australian Shareholders Association reached out to me last week. He said, yeah, mate, I checked the numbers on List Corp and I checked them on the ASX as well. The stock doctor's way out here. He thinks the List Corp list is is the right one. So I emailed Victor Di Pasquale at Stock Doctor I said, can you have a look at this for me and tell me what's going on? I'm sure there's a reasonable explanation. He had a quick look and came back to me and said, yeah, I think our list is wrong. I don't know what's going on there. I'll uh, I'll ask the analysts and um, I'll get back to you. So uh, he hasn't yet, but um, just an FYI, we have think that Stock Doctor's <laughs> leading us astray there. So um, Just a comment on what you sent through, Cam, the – the list called list of ETFs has the VAS, Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF, as the largest on that list. It's 11.6 billion. Stock Doctor have VAS at 8.05 billion. So there's a discrepancy there, but it's not as big as some of the other ones. So that may be a timing issue. But do you have a list corp valuation for SPY or VAP or VTS? They don't come up in that top ranking there. So what's this one? Vanguard Australian shares VHY. Okay. So we have VHY in both lists we can compare. List Corp has VHY at number 11 at 2.7 billion. Stock Doctor has VHY at 49.3 billion. Okay. Well, there's something crazy going on. That's that's a little (laughs) bit of a difference in that. But it's interesting List Corp don't have SPY, for example, which is, I wonder if it's just listing ETFs that just deal with the Australian, I don't know, it's an S&P 500 there. Don't know. Let's see what Stock Doctor say. Yeah, I just wanted to flag that with everyone. I mean, I I don't think anyone is investing in ETFs that listens to this, but uh, just by the by, we'll uh, get some clarification on that. Well, they might be, but the question was asked about my comments about uh, how ETFs can amplify a market downturn. And so if, if the List Corp numbers are right, that magnification is going to be minuscule. But if the Stock Doctor numbers are right, it's going to be a real thing. So we just need to work out who's right there. And for what it's worth, Chairman Mab said to me that he thinks the threat of ETFs is massively overblown and he, he thinks they're very tiny, a very tiny component of the Australian marketplace. And there's a lot of uh, misinformation or misunderstanding about them. So that was his two cents. Okay. No, I'll defer to him. He's in a he, – well, he is the chairman. So he's the chairman of the <laughs> chairman of the board. Chairman of the board, yeah. He should be in Vegas. He should be in Vegas, yeah, up on, up on stage singing The Lady is a Tramp. What else have you got to talk about before we get into a couple of questions? We don't have many questions today, so – do you have anything else you want to touch on? Anything? I don't think you've been paying much attention to the market in the last week, have you? I haven't. No, I've caught up, skimmed through the Fin Review. That's about it. Although you said you told me that you had a bunch of cells that you had to do just before you left the country. Yeah, they all turned around while I was on the plane, so I'm fine. That was lucky. 
Oh, so you didn't uh, sell them? You just told Alex? No. I had the Macquarie Group had breached. um, One of the tranches I bought breached the rule one. But then when I looked at it, I thought, well, that's still that particular. I shouldn't be doing rule one prices per purchase. I should be doing it as an average. So it was still, um, when I reviewed it, it was still above the average. And then so I decided just to let it ride. And when I got off the plane, Macquarie had gone up anyway a little bit so I was fine so Macquarie's good it didn't have to sell and look the only comment I wanted to make was the Bloomberg TV here and newspapers are still full of a full of America's going to be in recession forecasts but I'm not seeing any sign of that at all at the moment I mean all Vegas is full golf courses are full yeah, maybe Vegas is an anomaly and you may be out in the heartland of America, it's going to not, not be as good. But certainly I think I think it's more expensive over here than it has been in the past for me, but that's probably a combination of, inf- of inflation but also the Australian dollar being so low. So not really paying much attention to that. But, yeah, I'm not seeing any signs of recessions or looming at recessions, so I'm not sure what to believe there in terms of economic forecasts. It may happen, but uh, looking good at the moment. What do you think is going to happen when Trump gets arrested on uh, Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, it's interesting being over here with all that going on, for sure. I bet. Is it, is it crazy? Oh, not really. I mean, we're in Vegas, so it's not, not a thing here. But, you know, people are talking about it, for sure. It's either people on one side of politics saying, hey, he's Jew, and the other side of politics saying... He's a Jew? Yeah, he's Jew to be incarcerated. And the, Oh, not that he's a Jew. No, I don't. No, he's not a Jew. He is Jew to be incarcerated. And the other side saying it's the weaponization of the legal system to uh, to politicize, uh, you know, Trump. But um, I'm waiting for Tuesday. We're debating whether they're going to have to send uh, the black escalades in to bring him out in cuffs or whether he's going to voluntarily surrender himself. So that'll be very interesting. But either way, he's still raising money. As soon as the judges were dropped, he's out there with all these ads saying, you know, this is a terrible injustice that's being handed out to me and you know contribute to my fighting fund it's just amazing yeah like i'm i'm shocked not because i don't think trump has uh, probably broken many many laws but you know generally american presidents uh, skate on anything that they did during their presidency it's it's like the third rail of american politics apart from you don't do anything about gun control you don't go after ex-presidents for whatever the hell they did. It's just you don't go there. Because if you do, it, it opens up Pandora's box. And once you <laughs> once you open that, every ex-president can be pulled up on all of the uh, dirty criminal shit that they've all done. I don't care who it is. But anyway, so I was shocked that they finally seem to be stepping over that line. We'll see how it plays out. It's a always fun to turn on Fox News here in the, in the States and they're full of just the most lunatic rhetoric about how this is, you know, anti-globalist elitist collusion to stop the greatest hero in American history from re- rerunning for president. And then they got the, the other side of politics on CNN who are quite rightly pointing out that Trump's approval rating is going to go up if he's, you know, indicted because you know, Clinton's did when he was impeached and Trump's did when he was impeached. And so, you know, people are pretty apathetic, but if they sense any sort of injustice, they're going to rally behind anyone. It doesn't matter who they are. 
And the funny thing about Fox's support for Trump is that we now know from the Dominion court case that all the Fox News hosts and management hate Trump. (laughs) Privately, (laughs) Tucker Carlson and everybody on there are just talking about what an idiot he is and how they can't wait to see the back of him. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, both of those things were handed down on the same day over here. So the the judge ruled that the Dominion case could go on to a trial and uh, Trump was indicted both on the same day. (laughs) <laughs> Republicans were scratching their heads trying to work out what to say, what to do. <laughs> Rupert Murdoch hates Trump. All of the guys at Fox hate Trump, but they're still his number one supporter. <laughs> it's hilarious. Anyway, back to investing. You want to do a pulled pork? I do, yeah. I'm just going to do a pulled pork on Remelius Resources, which was a, a question for this week. I hasten to add that, number one, my numbers are about a week old because I haven't had a chance to do another download and we're still it's monday morning your time so we haven't got alex's download for the weekend but anyway and number two remilius have launched a bid for another gold mining company called breaker resources so it's i did a quick survey before we jumped on the show and i couldn't really see the pro forma effect on remilius that the takeover would have if it went through it's probably out there, but they haven't been able to work out whether Emilius is going to borrow money to, to execute the takeover or pay it in cash or issue shares or whatever. So I'll go through and, and talk about it, but people are going to have to watch announcements to see if they're interested in buying Remilius, they're going to have to watch announcements and see what the impact of the takeover will be or wait until the next six monthly numbers come down and you have a clearer picture of what it looks like. Uh, I suspect if the takeover goes ahead, it will happen by then. And we should also point out that BRB is on our buy list. Yeah, and it's the take takeover Yeah, and I've had a note in my uh, spreadsheet not to buy it <laughs> because it, it's one of the few stocks that, looking at the light portfolio, is one of the few stocks that's on the buy list that has been in a buy state, not a Josephine, hits all of the metrics, but I have to keep reminding myself not to buy it because it's sort of at the peak of where it's going to be if this takeover goes through, it's usually not a good idea to buy something that's being taken over, right? Correct. Well, look, at you can. it's not, unless you have any sort of specialist knowledge, and I certainly don't about the gold mining sector. What I do know is this: that this particular takeover is being supported by the board and by the major investors. So chances are that's, that's it. It's going to be accepted and it'll go through it around the current price. So I can't see anybody coming in and lobbying another bid. They could. It's always possible, but less likely in this kind of situation uh, with approval from the board and the major stakeholders. But also the flip side is I can't see Remilius walking away from this either. So it, the downside risk is pretty limited. So the takeover experts in this sort of circumstance would be looking to make you know pennies out of this situation. Yeah, just to see if they can arbitrage what's going on with the share market compared to the takeover price. And it can vary by cents every day depending on what news is coming out of both camps. But yeah, I agree with you. I wouldn't be buying BRB at the moment. Uh, And probably can't buy it in the future because I think this takeover will probably go through at the current price. So that's it. That's actually answer a question no one's asked, but that's actually an interesting thing if you are a BRB holder is you've got to decide whether you want to sit on it in the hope that someone lobs a higher offer. Because if you do, you've got to wait for the takeover to go through and then to get your check from Remelius, which could be months and months and months away. 
as opposed to selling on market now. And I haven't checked the price of BRP compared to Remilius's offer, but if it's only pennies, the, what, the standard way I would operate is to sell on market and move on and take that profit somewhere else because um, otherwise it's just like having money in the bank. It's going to sit there doing nothing for three or four months while the whole thing grinds through. Anyway, getting back to Remilius, uh, it's a large gold miner based in Western Australia. It's mainly around the Mount Magnet area. It has a number of mines, Mount Magnet being one of them, Mount Magnet Gold Mine. But there are three others, Edna May, Marder and Vivian. They're also in, in WA. And the reason they're bidding for Breaker Resources is Breaker controls a project called Lake Row, which is close to one of Remilius's gold mines called uh, Rebecca, or the Rebecca Project. I don't know if it's actually developed into a mine yet. And so Remilius is, is counting on synergies from being able to progress the Breaker gold mine, which is close to their own gold mine. And put them to put them both together, and and one on one makes three for them, and that's one of the reasons why they're they're paying a premium for uh, for breaker. The other thing to note is that Remelius is now big enough that it just recently was added to the ASX twenty list, so it's getting quite large now. I think it's over a billion dollars in market cap, and it did get a bump of about five percent when it went into the ASX twenty list. So I guess that's relevant to the conversation we had the last time we spoke about changing how. The indexes can change the share price of a company. So that's what happened to Remilius. The other thing to note, I guess, just in general about gold and gold mines is the gold price is going up again. And that's that's largely due, I think, to the forecast of recession in the US and inflation being stubbornly high. It is dropping in Australia, although I'm not sure it's dropping as much in the, as it, in the US as it is in Australia. And gold tends to do well in those periods. It's called a a safe haven or a store of value. So, you know, if you think that assets are going down because in real terms with inflation at as high as 9%, they're worth less every year, gold tends to have the inverse quality. People buy gold expecting it to at least stay the same price and not be affected by, affected by inflation, which potentially has the reverse effect because if enough people do that, it pushes the price up for gold. And gold is still used commercially uh, for making jewellery and a little bit in the tech sector and automotive, et cetera. Uh, and there's also a lot of buying of gold by reserve banks, again, for their balance sheet and to be a store of value. But there's still probably about, oh, the numbers I've seen are 25 to 30% is specul- speculative behaviour. So it's people looking to buy gold just to you know, have a safe haven not in an uncertain time, especially if recession could be coming. So the gold price is going up. I looked up the PNL for or the latest results for Remilius and their AISC, which is all in sustainable cost of producing an ounce of gold, is around two thousand uh, dollars. That's Aussie, and the current uh, gold price is around three thousand dollars, just under three thousand, like two thousand nine hundred and fifty Aussie. So they're, they're making a good margin on what they're digging out of the ground at the moment. Uh, if the gold price goes up, that sort of margin increase flows straight to their bottom line because the costs will go up with inflation, but um, the gold price will probably go up higher than that or potentially go up higher than that. I, I shouldn't speculate on what the gold price will do. If history is any guide, it, it probably will, and certainly lots of people think it will. So gold companies are having a bit of a day in the sun at the moment. They had come down a reasonable amount over the last 12 months and are now sort of turning around. I do also want to say, though, that this particular stock, Remelius, 
isn't on our buy list. And one of the reasons why it's not, apart from its QAV score being too low, is that it, even though it's turned up in the last month or so, it's still below its buy price. And so I'm doing my analysis today at a dollar fifteen and a half cents, which was the price on the 26th of March. The price before the market opened this morning being Monday uh, was a dollar twenty seven. So I'm already late in terms of my analysis. But uh, and so the price is moving quite quickly. But as we'll see through the numbers here, the QAV score is quite low. And at a dollar fifteen, it'll be even lower at a dollar twenty seven. And the buy price on this stock is a dollar fifty one currently. So I, I suspect even um, if we reach that buy price, and I think it probably will keep going up until it's a three-point trend line buy, it'll certainly, almost certainly won't have a QAB score worth investing in. So I'm doing this because it was requested, but uh, it's, not, it's not on our buy list. Okay, the, the numbers. So ADT on this stock is large. It's, it's uh, around uh, $4 million ADT per day. So very large would suit everyone listening to this, this podcast. The yield is low, it's less than 1%, so we don't score it for that. Interestingly enough, Stock Doctor's Financial Health has it as early warning, and because in the past it's been strong, it's also a deteriorating trend, so we give it a minus one on the checklist for that. I'm not sure what, what's going on there. The company actually well made a negative profit last half, so just below break-even, but it is forecast to make a lot of money this half, I guess because of the rising gold price. But again, the question mark remains over that forecast as, as to what effect the takeover of, of breaker resources will have on its profit. So for example, if it pays out the takeover amount in cash, that's going to obviously reduce its um, balance sheet, if not its profit, if they're using profits to help that, that payment process. So uh, there's a, lot, a few things moving around here with this company. The prop calf on it at a dollar fifteen is five point one five times, so that's that's good for us. However, the price is rising, so that might uh, become a we'll lose that score potentially. I think very soon, and um, I can't score it on the PE because it didn't make any any profit last half, so it doesn't score for PE. The share price is greater than IV one and IV two. And net equity per share is 86 cents and book plus 30 is therefore $1.11 and the share price is above that, so it's not going to score for those. Management has a small holding in the company, but there's no owner founder, so it can't score for that. There is consistently increasing equity, which is good. All in all, the company scores only 14% for quality, so we're not scoring it very much on those metrics. And currently the QAB score is 0.03, so it's well below our threshold of point one. And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where Tony answers questions from our club members. If you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a QAV club member, which is access to the checklist and and the Bible and uh, the private Facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have invites to the dinners, Zoom calls, etc., etc. Just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out. You can do that at qavpodcast.com.au. Look for the um, free trial button there. And if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or 
resources to uh, you know, learn how to do QAV for yourself, think about signing up for QAV Lite. That's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week. And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio. And if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. It's sort of a low effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus and then where are you? But, you know, while he's not, <laughs> we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. That's it. If you don't want to sign up to any of those, just keep listening to the free episodes. And if you have any questions, uh, shoot me an email. You'll find that on our website too. All right, have a great week and good luck with your investing. The QAV Podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.